0: Today's scripture reading is from Matthew seven, verses one to six. Judge not that you not be judged that sorry, start. Again. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce that you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye? well good morning everybody great to be back here at freemando church great to be uh, able to bring the word of god to all of you it's not my intention to be standing all the way up here towering over all of you right but but i'm not like lee i can't preach without notes i need my notes in the pulpit um but always a pleasure to to be to come back here to uh and always an encouragement to see how the gospel has grown and how the gospel is changing lives here at Frio for church And when Lee asked me to come and preach here, uh, and he said, you know, just preach whatever you want, and I saw that you guys have been going through a series on who is Jesus, and at Subi Church, what we have been going through is the Sermon on the Mount. So I thought it's only fitting that we can take a look at one portion of the Sermon on the Mount to see the teaching of this Jesus that all of you have been looking at. To start the sermon, let me tell you about this Facebook post that somebody saw uh, sometime back. This Facebook post had no pictures, just the text, just the word, and just this sentence. It says, Christians can be some of the most judgmental people. Now think about that. Do you agree with it or not? Think about that. In recent years, there have been a number of high-profile Christian leaders who have been either found guilty of sexual immorality or guilty of being heavy-handed bully in their ministry or simply just announced that they are leaving the faith. And in every instance, when the news of any of these events break out, the one thing that we can be sure of is that there will be lots of Facebook comments, lots of Twitter posts, that either declares their sadness of what has just happened, or they condemn the actions of these leaders and sometimes even bring even more accusations and judgments against them. And it doesn't help that, in some sense, social media has really given anybody, everybody with a smartphone, a global platform to voice their judgments. And Christians are not immune to this. They are not immune to this temptation to have a critical voice of judgment on their fellow brothers and sisters. It is true, isn't it, that Christians can be a very judgmental bunch of people. And all of us have been guilty of this one time or another. In our passage today, that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus calls us to do. And the passage that we are looking at is taken from the Sermon on the Mount, which was just read to us in Matthew chapter 7. And this is one of the most quoted and most used Bible verses today. Even uh, people who are not Christians, in some sense, they will know this verse. They will quote it to us. But it is also one of the most misused and misapplied ones as well. So it is important that we take a closer look at what Jesus is saying. So if you have your Bibles or just look at uh, in your handouts again, please turn with me to that passage. I will read that passage again. For all of us just to refresh our mind and, and we will go through it um, line by line. Matthew chapter seven verse one to six. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? you hypocrite first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye do not give dogs what is holy do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you well let me pray as we look into jesus teaching let's pray our father in heaven we pray this morning as we approach and hear your voice through your words we pray as david calls us to do in psalm 95 that we will not harden our hearts as we hear your voice instead we pray that by your spirit you will soften our hearts to hear to obey your words this morning we ask this in jesus name and for your glory amen so in the Sermon on the mount jesus is speaking to his disciples matthew chapter 5 1 and 2 jesus went up to the mountainside He sat down, His disciples came to Him, and He began to teach them. So this is a sermon for us Christians, people who know and love Jesus. Now that's important to note because, so that we don't misread and misinterpret what Jesus' instructions are today. This is a passage meant for Christians. And indirectly, This is a passage that Jesus is asking His disciples, what kind of community we want to be or want to build? What kind of community do you want Fremantle Church to be? So there are two major points that we can apply to our lives that will help us to build this community, to build this Christian-loving community. Let's have a look from verses 1 to 5. First one, guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Verses 1 to 5. So in the first five verses, we see Jesus calling Christians not to judge because in the same way that we pronounce judgment, we will be judged in the same, by the same standards. Now, it is important to note, Jesus is not saying and He's not asking Christians to suspend all kinds of judgment. That is not what He's asking us to do. It is impossible in our lives in the first place, that we go through our lives without making any sort of judgment calls. That's impossible. But what Jesus is asking us to do and warning us against is the kind of hasty, critical judgment that we so easily make of others. Let me introduce a new word for many of you. This is a word that, um, that was new to me as well and a word that I found out as I was preparing for this sermon. This is the word censorious, censorious basically meaning harsh or critical, overly harsh, overly critical. A censorious person is a person who judges others harshly and quickly. There are people who are quick to criticize, and their criticism is not constructive in any way. Their criticism is only there to tear people down. That's the kind of judgment Jesus is asking us not to do. We are not to be censorious. In our human nature, it is so easy for us to do just that, to form a quick and harsh judgment about somebody. Somebody who has not met our expectations. And we just make that kind of judgment very quickly. And one of the worst things about being judgmental or being censorious is that it's often not just about judging the actions of the person. Very easily, we move on to judging about the person's heart, his intentions, his motivations, isn't it? We very quickly move from, wow, I can't believe the person is doing such and such, to, wow, that person must not love God very much because he is doing this. But in our hearts, we immediately condemn the other person, not only for their actions, but also for their heart and judging their heart. And when we do that, and let's be honest, how many of us will actually be able to live up to our own judgment jesus uses this ludicrous and even could be hilarious um picture to describe this now you are trying to see this small speck in your brother's eye when the whole time you have this massive log sticking out of your eye but he is picturing this person who fixes their gaze on something, in some sense, that's quite unimportant in somebody else, and who does not notice something that's much more significant in himself. Now, it's not saying that in every case a person who is passing judgment is a worse sinner than the person he's criticizing, but rather, what he or she finds wrong in the other person is a very small matter compared to the sin God sees in him. And Jesus is using this picture to show us that it is far easier for us to find blame and find fault with others rather than finding fault with ourselves. And that's such human nature, isn't it? It's easy, much easier for us to blame somebody else. Now, sometimes this manifests itself in a clash of cultural priorities. And when I say cultural, I don't mean East and West culture. I also mean subcultures within a culture. For example, you know, those who come from the city will have different priorities and values from those who come from the country. But to give you an illustration, I'm gonna use East and West culture. That's very um, obvious and common. Uh, this is an illustration I found from an, a blog post, but when I read that, I realized it's exactly the kind of experience I have, okay? So it's not a surprise to find out that those of us in the West we have different priorities from those of us who come from Eastern countries. So, for example, Western cultures, they tend to be more time-oriented. This means that they respect others by respecting their time, by prioritizing and making sure that we are punctual. We start and we finish on time. Eastern cultures, on the other hand, they tend to be more event and people-oriented. This means that they respect others by making sure that everyone had a chance to participate in the event and being, being part of the key activities of the event. Both cultures value respecting others, but the major difference is how they respect others. And it is in this how that we often find a clash. So, for example, let's say we organize a Bible study and a prayer meeting and Bible. St- study and a prayer meeting with a bunch of different university students from Eastern and Western cultures. Right? Let's say all members of this group of students, they agreed that, okay, this Bible study and this prayer meeting, let's start at 7 p.m., we'll finish at 9 p.m. So on that day itself, 7 p.m., some of the students were there already, they are there on time, they're punctual, but not all of them. However, after waiting 5, 10, 15 minutes, Western students, they are starting to feel the urge. Let's, let's just start this meeting because we want to finish on time. Let's just start this meeting. The Eastern students, on the other hand, they want to wait a little bit longer because while the rest hasn't arrived yet, they feel that it is unloving to start the meeting without everyone present. The, Western, the Westerners, on the flip side, think it is unloving not to end the meeting on time because, well, they have other things planned for that evening. Again, let's imagine, the meeting eventually started somehow, but the discussion goes on longer than expected. And because it is 9 p.m., and what normally happens in a Bible study when you go on longer than usual, what gets cut out? The prayer at the end, isn't it? So the Westerners, what they decide to do, they either skip or let's, let's shorten our prayer at the prayer portion at the end of the meeting. After all, what we want to do, right, is to honour the agreement and honour everybody by finishing on time. We keep our word, isn't it? That's what we agreed on. The Easterners, on the other hand, they say, no, 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 no. It is more honouring that this group gets to pray together. I mean, how can we stop our brothers and sisters from praying to our Heavenly Father? It is only honouring that we make sure that everybody has the chance to pray, Even though, yeah, we may end the meeting later than agreed, but it is important to pray. So what's happening here? It's a clash of different cultural priorities and practices. Now, imagine the Western students then suddenly begin to elevate their priorities to become matters of godliness. And they start saying, it is Christian maturity and godliness that we do not lie and we keep our word. If we don't keep our word, we are sinning. Because we agreed to start at seven, we finish at nine, therefore we will do that. If we don't do that, we are sinning. The same thing could happen to the Eastern students. They could begin to elevate their priorities to become matters of godliness. They could start saying, you know what, it's of Christian maturity and godliness that we make sure our brothers and sisters in Christ that are part of the meeting and they get to pray. And we are called to love them. If we, call, if we love them, we want them to be part of the meeting. Therefore, they, we should make sure that they also get a chance to pray. I mean, why are we letting the clock dictate and cause us to neglect prayer? Prayer is too important. To neglect prayer is to sin. Now, do you see what just happened there? It is so easy for us to move from judging a person's actions to judging a person's heart. In this one example, this action of starting or finishing on time, in some sense, it's really a small matter. But that has turned into judgments of godliness and holiness. Even though both sets of students, they want to respect one another, they just have different ideas of what that means. And I just gave you the example of a prayer meeting or Bible study. But we can see how that applies to other areas of our Christian life, isn't it? A number of decades back, we have the debate over worship styles. There's always this huge debate about homeschooling or private schooling or public schooling your children. There are always people talking about how we should spend and handle and steward our finances. There are, and I'm sure you can think of many other areas in our Christian life that we have these sort of clashes and, and different priorities, and yet, and yet we make judgments of other people. People who might not agree theologically with us, and suddenly we think, oh, they don't love God as much as we do. Now, I'm not saying these things are not worth talking about and discussing. They are. They are important issues. But what we must not do is become censorious or judgmental about these issues. We mustn't be judgmental about people who may disagree with us or who may have other practices or priorities from us. Let's take the log out from our own eye before we see the speck in others. Now, it is important that we do that because well, ultimately, if we are censorious or judgmental, that affects our own hearts. Being a judgmental or censorious person Hardens our hearts Makes us a very cynical person Now I don't know if you have been around a cynical person But let me tell you they are miserable to be around A cynical person is miserable Because nothing in life pleases that person Being a cynical person means that your heart Is slowly being filled with poison A poison of ungratefulness And that traps you in a cycle of misery And what kind of community are we building if everyone is like that? There will be a community of judgment where people are often scrutinizing one another, looking for evidence of sin and failure and then judging them harshly. It will be a community that's filled with resentment where people are harboring bitterness. It will be filled with suspicion because... Suspicion of one another because you're always questioning their motives and intentions of other people. This sounds like a terrible kind of community, isn't it? It's judgmental, it is condemning, it is resentful. And ultimately, that's, and unfortunately, that's sometimes what I see in Christian circles, especially through social media, especially during this voting um, election during, in the U.S., I just see Christians calling each other out all the time, hurling judgments and criticisms at one another, questioning their motives and their intentions of other Christians who may disagree with them. That's not the kind of community we want to be a part of. And that's why Jesus here is saying, and he's asking us and he's commanding us not to judge in this harsh, critical way, unloving way. Don't be censorious. And at the heart of what Jesus is asking us to do is guarding our hearts. Don't let our hearts be hardened and turn cynical. It leads us down to a path of misery. Guard our hearts. And by guarding our hearts, we can build a wonderful community that is not judgmental, but a community that is loving, that is accepting, that is forgiving, that is compassionate. Let me read what um, Tim Chalice says. Uh, Tim Chalice is a prominent Christian blogger and he says um, this about uh, being a community of judgment. So this is what he says. If you personally are in the habit of standing in harsh judgment of other people in your church, if you are helping to create and foster a church-wide spirit of judgmentalism, if you criticize about, criticize people, rant about them, cut them down, grumble about them, condemn them in your own heart, You're not just doing that as an individual, but as part of a church. And then you shouldn't be surprised when other people in the church make harsh judgments toward you. Why? Because you've helped to create the culture in the church. The simple fact is, the church is the people. So the church will be like the people. The church is you, so the church will be like you. You choose day by day what your church community will be like, And you choose through your own behavior. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Do not be censorious. Do not be judgmental. Foster a community of love, of compassion, of forgiveness. And that's what Jesus is asking us to do. Guard your hearts, verses 1 to 5. Now, as mentioned earlier, this doesn't mean that we don't make any kind of judgment calls. There will be times where we have to make those judgment calls. And that's why we come to our second point from verse 6. God the truth. God the truth. So look at verse 6 again. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, on first reading, it is hard to imagine how verse 6 continues from what came before. I recently received a question from someone just on this issue. How does verse 6 relate to verse, the first five verses? In fact, as I was preparing this sermon, I came across this one scholar who even admits and argues that Matthew just wants to tell his readers all the commands of Jesus, so he just cramps them all together. It doesn't really make sense. There's no structure to this. He just puts them there. Now, I highly doubt Matthew is so callous with Jesus' teaching. There's a very good reason why Matthew puts these two together. You see, after telling his readers Jesus, um, that Jesus commands us not to be judgmental, what do you think the overreaction to that will be? The overreaction to that is Christians will read that command, and then they never make any kind of judgment call ever again. That's not what Jesus means. Right, there will be times where we do have to make judgment calls, not with harshness, not with hypocritical spirit, but with wisdom and care, especially when it comes to the gospel message of Jesus. So let's take a closer look. So here he uses two animals to make his point, dogs and pigs. Now when Jesus mentions dogs here, we mustn't think well-groomed, well-trained dogs that we have here in Perth. Right? I, I don't know how many, how many of you here have dogs as pets, and I'm sure you love your dogs very much so. And here, especially in Perth, when we meet dogs, sometimes we go on a walk, whether we're shopping or going out for a jog, sometimes we see people stopping, or you stop, and then you pet you know, some, a stranger's dog as well. You can do that. That's normal. That's um, what we have here. But the dogs that Jesus is referring to here are not those dogs. Instead, he's talking about stray and wild dogs that will roam the city streets scavenging for food. When I was um, growing up in Malaysia, what we would see is that we would see dogs like that roaming around the streets. And then my parents, my mom and dad, would always tell us, you know, don't go near those dogs, don't, don't, don't touch them, don't go near them because they're dirty, they're filled with germs, and they may have rabies, and they may get aggressive. So just avoid them, walk around them. These dogs actually are dangerous. That's the kind of dogs Jesus is talking about here. And with these kind of dogs, we don't give what is holy to them. They are unclean. They are dangerous. Holy things are things that are specifically set apart for God, to serve God. They should not be given to dogs who would not appreciate it. And Jesus repeats this idea with, do not throw your poles before pigs. Now, Pearls are tremendous value. In those days, they are precious and rare. So you don't throw your pearls to pigs. Well, because they won't appreciate it. In fact, what they will do is that they will trample it, trample the pearls underfoot. It's like throwing your one-carat diamond to pigs. They don't appreciate it. The holy things of God should not be given away to those who will not appreciate it, who may in fact use it against us. In other words, don't give spiritual truths truths of God to people whom you know will not appreciate it, who might even use it against you. In that way, we have to be discerning. We have to make a judgment call. And the greatest spiritual truth that we have as followers of Christ, we recognize is the gospel message, isn't it? And what he is saying here is that we are not to simply give out the gospel truth to people whom we know will take it and use it against us. We are to be discerning. We are to guard the truth. There's this wonderful quote by George MacDonald, and he was a Christian minister and poet towards the end of the 19th century. He said this, To to explain truth to him who loves not is but to give him the more plentiful material for misinterpretation. We are, not to give what is, we are not to keep giving what is holy, that is the gospel, to those who will continue to reject it. Do not give what is holy to dogs. Do not throw your pearls before the pigs. Guard the truth. Let me give you a relatively recent example. So there was this pastor called George, Josh Williamson. I don't know if you've heard of this. He was born in Brisbane, but now he is pastoring a church in Cornwall in England. So in Cornwall, there was supposed to be this event called the Cornwall Pride, which was supposed to be celebrating the LGBT community to promote inclusion and acceptance of the LGBT community. Now, because of the COVID pandemic, they announced via their Facebook page that this Cornwall Pride event has to be cancelled. But what Josh did, this pastor, he went to their Facebook page and he added a comment that said, wonderful news, which understandably, people started asking, why is this wonderful news? So he responded, because I don't think sin should be celebrated, which then obviously gets more and more people asking him questions. And then he starts quoting Bible verses at them. And all of this is in the Cornwall Facebook Cornwall Pride Facebook page. And because of this, guess what happened? They all blew up and now he is facing calls for him to be deported back to Australia. Now, I'm very sure that his intentions are noble and godly. I do not want to judge him for his desire for evangelism and spreading the gospel, right? We just learned don't judge. These are great and godly intentions. What is said was the truth of Scripture. I'm not denying that. However, I have to ask this question. Just what kind of response was he expecting by posting these comments on the Cornwall Pride Facebook page? What was he actually expecting? In fact, not only does he come across as fully judgmental against the LGBT crowd, the gospel, the gospel message actually lost some of its beauty because of how he acted. In fact, it would be very similar if. An atheist walk into church right now and he just shouted during one of the services, he just shouted, God does not exist. You are all fools for believing in Him. Would anyone here be convinced of that? No, it's not helpful. We are to be wise and discerning when we give our spiritual truths. We are to guard the truth. Now, we are not to be judgmental and censorious. We are to assume the best of everyone. But yet, at the same time, Let's be wise, be discerning. Just because we are not to be judgmental doesn't mean we give away our brains. We are to guard the truth. We are to be discerning when we give away the gospel message. I remember there was this one time at Subi Church, I think it was four or five years back, somebody randomly called our church office and just asked, what is your view of same-sex marriage? during the whole same-sex marriage um, debate and vote in Australia. That's it, just that question. Out of nowhere, no context, we don't know who that person is. How would you have answered that question? Think about that. So we have to be discerning and be careful, and we have to be smart in the way we give our spiritual truths, be discerning, make the right judgment call. So based on our passage today, We are to guard our hearts. We are not to be judgmental. We are not to be censorious. That will only poison our hearts. That will create a miserable community. We are to begin building a loving, forgiving, compassionate community. But we also want to be a community that values truth. We guard the truth carefully and give it away with discernment, with wisdom. And by giving it away without any thought, Will give others all the more opportunity to misinterpret it and for them to use it against us. We don't throw what is precious to us, the gospel message, to those who will not only not appreciate it, who will trample it underfoot as well. We have to be careful that we are to be wise. And that is what Jesus calls us to do as his disciples. That's what he calls us to do as his disciples. Don't be censorious, guard your hearts and guard the truth of the gospel. And as we close, is it any surprise to any of us here that Jesus himself is the one who perfectly demonstrated what that looks like? It should not surprise us that Jesus himself was able to obey what he calls his disciples to do. Towards the end of his life, after his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, He was arrested, he was put on trial. And it wasn't a real trial, let's be honest. It was a trial designed only to find him guilty. When Jesus stood in front of Pilate, he was accused by the Pharisees and the chief priests and the elders. Charges were brought against Jesus. But what did Jesus do? What did he do? Let me read from Matthew 27, verse 12 to 14. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders... He gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not know and see how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. He refused to answer any of the charges because he knew it would be pointless to explain truth to those who love it not will only give them more opportunity, more plentiful material for misinterpretation. He stood silent. But yet, as He was crucified, as He hung on the cross with two other criminals on His left and right, with the crowds witnessing this crucifixion, with the soldiers dividing up and casting lots to divide up His clothes, what did He say? He could have easily condemned all of them. He could have easily judged all of them for crucifying an innocent person. And he's the only one, if he judged, he would not be accused of being a hypocrite. Only one in history that's able to say that. He could have easily called down legions of angels to free him. But instead, what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was not resentful, he was not bitter towards them, in fact, he only had love towards them. In fact, asked for their forgiveness. His heart was pure until the end. And because he stuck to that, because he went through the cross, because he went through with this, we now have salvation. Salvation through his blood. Jesus asks us to guard our hearts, not to be judgmental, not to be censorious. He asks us to guard the truth, to be discerning about his truth. And ultimately, Jesus is the one who shows us how that's done. And It is through His example in His own life as He was crucified through this gospel event that we now can be forgiven and we now receive salvation. That's the grace of God through Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come before You. We thank You for Jesus Christ. We thank You that though all of us here, we are sinners and we deserve Your judgment and Your condemnation, that you died for our sins. You forgave us because of what you have done on the cross. Father, we pray, we pray that we will be like Jesus Christ, a people who are not judgmental, a people who is loving, a people who are kind to one another, compassionate to one another, but also a people who are discerning and wise about the truth, your truth. And so, Father, we ask that by your Spirit that you help us to be like Jesus, help us to uh, know Jesus more and more through our actions, through our obedience of these commands. So, Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.